You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Monday, October the 2nd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, brought to you by mybookie.ag. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. On today's show, another pitiful offensive effort from the Dolphins as they fall to 1-2 and two to the New Orleans Saints in London. Blanked. Shut out. 20 to nothing. I give you five takeaways from the game, answer your Twitter questions, discuss where this team goes from here, and of course, another Jay Cutler versus Ryan Tannehill discussion. But first, I have to remind you guys to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, or wherever you get your podcast from. Drop us a five-star rating, write us a nice review. Subscriptions, reviews, and ratings are how podcasters are judged, so the more we get, the higher we get up on the iTunes chart, the more it exposes us to more Dolphins, and the more it helps the show continue to grow. So go ahead and do that for us, if you would, please. And don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including the Locked On NFL podcast and the Locked On Heat podcast for local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Lastly, follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. I promise you it's a good game day follow. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins. And check out my website, thirdand10.com. The week three quarterback grades and film study are up now. Week four coming out later this week. Before we get into the quick takeaways here from the game on Sunday, and uh, you know it was kind of a, a disaster of a game, guys, tell you guys about ProFootballFocus.com. I mentioned the ratings and reviews in the beginning of the show. Well, ProFootballFocus.com is doing something very cool in regards to the reviews you guys leave on the show. You can win yourself a free PFF Edge subscription. It's a $40 value, and the way you win is doing this. You go into the Apple, Apple Podcast, you write me a nice review on the show, and leave your Twitter handle in that review, and you can win yourself a free PFF Edge subscription. It's a $40 value. We pick one, one per show per week. And what Pro Football Focus is, is the premier website for evaluating NFL players across every position. They grade every single player, every single snap, every single game. They provide you with snap counts, positional ranks. For you fantasy folks out there, fantasy projections, rankings, and tools, NFL draft coverage in the offseason with PFF profiles and college stats, team and player pages featuring Pro Football Focus stats. And then, of course, Jeff Ratcliffe, the director of fantasy for Pro Football Focus, will join the Lockdown Fantasy Podcast every Thursday for 10 minutes. And Mike Renner will join the Lockdown NBA Podcast every Wednesday for that show as well. So go on to iTunes, leave us a nice little review for the podcast. Tell us how, what you think of the podcast and the show. Include your Twitter handle in the review, and each week we'll cheers a winner at random for Pro Football Focus. That's profootballfocus.com with a free Edge subscription, a $39.99 value. All right, so today's game, not exactly what you're looking for as a Dolphins fan. 20 to 0, the New Orleans Saints blanked the Dolphins in London, and really the offense just never got going. Once again, the story of the day. No good pass protection, no good run blocking, no good routes from the receivers. Quarterback play was terrible. J.H.I. just couldn't really get it cranking. And when they did, the penalties just mounted up, and the game was just... Once the Saints got that first touchdown to make it 10-0, it pretty much was over from that point. You kind of felt the air out of the building go out in terms of Dolphins fans and just kind of the way you were watching that game, it seemed like nothing good was going to happen from that point forward. And rightfully so, you're, you're right in feeling that way, given the way this team has played the last two weeks. But takeaway number one for the game, I mentioned the offense, how bad it was, is the quarterback, Jay Cutler versus Ryan Tannehill. And I know Ryan Tannehill's not here, he's injured, whatever, but I think that what you're seeing the last two weeks gives you a lot of 
leeway in terms of the Ryan Tannehill discussion, how valuable he has been to this team. The guy has been raked over the coals for pretty much his entire career with the Dolphins by a bunch of casual fans that just kind of see the results of the team and throw the quarterback under the bus as a consequence of that. And it's really not fair. And you see the way that Ryan Tannehill was able to rally this team last year with a pretty similar roster and you know similar circumstances and he won a lot of games and help was a big reason they won those games I should say because you know quarterbacks don't win games by themselves but Ryan Tannehill's ability to get out of the pocket on on those third down plays and the ability to extend and the ability to find receivers and be accurate and throw from a a drive rather than a fadeaway like Jay Cutler does really helped the team win a lot of games last year and keep those third downs the, the sticks moving on third down opposed to Jay Cutler who has just been abysmal this year in terms of his accuracy his you know ability to go through progressions he looks lazy like he didn't practice all summer because he did not. He was a retired football player that even told us in the press conference when he got introduced to this team that he doesn't have to be in cardiovascular shape. He told us to our faces. We didn't take it at face value. He was right. He's not ready to play football. His arm looks weak. He's trying to drive the ball to the sideline. It's skipping into the into the receiver's feet. I mean, this guy is just playing terrible, terrible football right now. And I'll have more for you guys in the film study, but right now he is playing awful. He is the, the primary reason this team is 1-2 right now and can't get anything going on offense. Reason number two this team has been worthless so far on offense is Julius Thomas, and all I wrote down in my notes here is that Julius Thomas Julius Thomas is, in fact, worthless. I, I called from, for it from the moment he was traded. I'm not trying to pat my own back. I get a lot of predictions wrong, but this is one that I got right. Julius Thomas, he, his career, it was never going to come back to what it was in Denver. He's not that player anymore. He took a lot of injuries. He was more of a rebounder in the end zone than anything. They even tried to give him an opportunity on that today, and Jay Cutler made a horrific throw. And let's go back to that real quick here before I get more into Julius Thomas. On that play, I saw a lot of tweets talking about the play calling and how all of a sudden there's lots of offensive coordinators on Twitter that apparently know more about offense than Jay, than Adam Gaze does. And while I'm not a fan of some of the designs that he has done or, or not necessarily some of the timing of the play calls, I saw a lot of complaints about that fade route on first and goal from the three, and they got exactly what they wanted. You spread them out with an empty set. You get the cornerback spread thin. They were in, an, in more of a... Uh, a dime package with a bunch of DBs in the field there going empty, and you get Julius Thomas, who is 6'5", 240 on a 6'1", 190 cornerback. It's a 50-pound advantage, and it's four inches taller, and you throw that fade, you expect him to, at the very worst, not catch it, and it falls to the ground, but you expect him to come down with that. That's why Julius Thomas got signed to this team, was to run that route. So if you throw the ball to the back pylon, opposed to throwing it seven yards short on a line with the ball completely flat, you're supposed to lob that ball over the shoulder, not a completely flat line drive short of the pylon like Jay Cutler did. That's why the pass got picked off. It's poor execution. It wasn't coaching. It wasn't the play call. It was exactly what they were looking for. They got the right matchup, and he didn't take advantage of it. Ryan Tannehill did that all the time last year with Damian Williams flexing him out wide and running go routes to the running back or little wheel routes to the running back on linebackers, and he scored touchdowns. He got first downs doing that because he threw the ball well, not like Jay Cutler throwing the ball short and off target and getting intercepted in the end zone and really changing the complexion of the game. But Julius Thomas, for that matter, has to do a better effort of breaking that pass up. He got himself a bad false start call. He doesn't really do anything in terms of blocking. He doesn't do a whole lot in terms of pass receiving. Julius Thomas... Cut him, be done with it, move on, go with Fasano and Marquise Gray, call up Thomas Duarte if you want to have a, you know your third tight end be that seam buster that Julius Thomas was supposed to be. Get rid of him. He's no no good to this team. Never was, never going to be. Point number three, takeaway number three, the receivers. I think maybe we possibly overrated this group coming into the season, and Kenny Stills right now currently is just, he's on a milk carton right now because I haven't seen him yet. He has been covered completely. I mean, it's hard to tell in the broadcast version, but from what I've seen on film and in this game as well, it looked like he was covered downfield most of the game. 
And the same can really be said for Jarvis Landry, who is not creating any separation and just not making any plays really on the offense right now. And I mentioned the quarterback is a big part of that, but the receivers aren't giving him any help either. Devontae Parker is, is doing what we thought he would do. He's on pace for 1,200 yards currently, believe it or not. But that's probably because Jay Cutler, Parker's the only one that he's been able to find so far. And some of those inside leverage plays where he runs a quick little slants or digs or crosses, anything that's an in-breaking route, Parker's been pretty good on that this year. I think that you're kind of seeing him develop into the number one receiver on this team. But the number two and number three, Kenny Stills and Jarvis Landry, however you want to shake them out, have not been good so far. Speaking of Kenny Stills and one of the guys that was re-signed back here, Takeaway number four is the other two re-signings the Dolphins made on the defensive side. Kiko Alonso and Andre Branch have been bad. Real, real bad. Kiko Alonso out of position all the time. Not a good tackler. He's making the wrong run fits in the wrong gap half the time. Andre Branch, kind of like Kenny Stills, don't really see him do anything. I don't even know if he's on the stat sheet today. I'll, I'll get that for you guys tomorrow in terms of tackles and stuff, but... He's not in the backfield. He's not getting pressure. He's not forcing the quarterback off of his spot, not doing anything. So Kiko Alonso, Andre Branch, just been terrible this year. That's takeaway number four. And the last takeaway, I'm not going to give you guys any positive today, even though the defense did look good. Rashad Jones came back, looked, good, or looked better than he has so far this year. Charles Harris, I thought, had his best game as a pro thus far. But the fifth and final takeaway, another negative takeaway, is the interior offensive line play. Mike Pouncey, his second bad game in a row. Jesse Davis and Anthony Steen not doing a whole lot for you over there. And Jermon Bushrod back to his old ways, playing pretty sloppy football as well. It's really hard for Jay Ajayi to run outside zone when that interior gap is penetrated because he's supposed to press the outside, which takes time to develop. So you have to at least hold your block. You don't have to necessarily drive your guy off the ball, but you have to hold that block in order for that outside zone to work because the mesh point of the outside zone is off either tackle. So an outside zone, you want to run the ball towards the, the tackle's outside shoulder. And as the line works in unison as a zone blocking scheme does, works in unison towards one side, he finds a lane to cut back in there. And JJ is so gifted at that. And he was looking good on a couple of runs today in that game. But when those guys get beat across their face and there's instant penetration, it messes up that that mesh point for Ajayi to run to. He has to change his course, and then he's trying to make a move in the backfield. And once he loses momentum, I mean, he's a, he's great at breaking tackles and everything. He can do it every once in a while. But once he loses that momentum, the play is going to be doomed. And that's why another reason I was not understanding the third down. You know, everybody wants, everybody wants to run the ball on the third and shorts, and it's like... If they run the ball, they're just going to get stuffed, and you're going to be even more mad. Because that one third and one play where they called Kenny Stills for a pick play, or it might have been Julius Thomas, I can't remember. Uh, Julius Thomas or Kenny Stills gets called for that pick play on that little, uh, it's a little slant-flat combo where they run the slant inside, and the deep defensive back engages, it was Kenny Stills, he engages Kenny Stills, and then Kenny Stills gets called for offensive pass interference. It was a perfectly executed play. First down Dolphins, they move him back 10 yards, they fail to get the first down after that. So not a bad play call. Not even bad execution on that play call, just poor officiating. So they can't run the ball on third and short if you can't block. So just know that a little bit. Know that it's more about execution than play calling. And right now this team across the board on offense is not executing anything. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst. 
All right, those are the five takeaways for the Sunday game, the Sunday defeat at the New Orleans Saints, or I should say versus the New Orleans Saints. This is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL, at Locked On Dolphins. And before we get into the next segment here for the Twitter mailbag, I have to let you guys know about mybookie.ag. You know, ever since I got really into football over a decade ago, I've been a little bit of a gambler on football as well, NFL and college. And everyone always asks me, who do you got? Which game do you like? And let me tell you what's the most important thing. Even more than who you're betting on is where you're betting at. What website do you bet at? And that's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. Mybookie has been in business for years, and their reputation is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing absolutely nothing. And most importantly to me is they have the fastest payouts. It's just two business days and you get your money. Seriously, in the past, I have gone through sites where you have to wait either holding weeks or you can do one payout per month. Not with mybookie.ag. It's just two business days. You know who's going to win the game, right? So lay some cash down and win big today. I would only recommend this service to my listeners that's been good to me. Mybookie.ag has been great. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to mybookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now and MyBookie will match your deposit with a 100% bonus. Use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, guys, let's roll back in here to the Twitter mailbag now and get to the questions from today's game and, and the slaughter fest that it was. I don't really even know how else to describe it. And I, I do apologize for a lack of enthusiasm in my voice. As you can imagine, talking about these games when the team just flat out sucks is not as much fun as talking about wins. You know, the what's up Dolphins in the beginning of the show is a little bit more tempered. But we press on. Here we are. We're going to be here every day with you guys throughout the course of the season, Mondays through Wednesdays. Days off here and there as, you know, things come up. The real life, real world happens sometimes. But I'm not giving up on you guys. I'll be here for the whole season so we can enjoy in the misery together and uh, and find comfort in that, I suppose, as we have done in the past as Dolphins fans. I mean, you know, I saw on Twitter today, on Twitter there was a Seahawks fan tweeting out about how boring the Seahawks are to watch. And I just thought to myself, oh, yeah, I mean, I even looked it up too because I was curious. I know they've been dominant for a few years now. And I looked it up and I was thinking... Sure, uh, if you guys want to go ahead and trade me, I'll take having 11 wins per season over the last five years, going to two Super Bowls, winning one of them, and winning eight playoff games over five years. Do you know how many playoff games we've won over five years? Zero. Do you know how many playoff games we won over 10 years? Zero. Do you know how many playoff games we won over 15 years? That's right, zero. Last time this team won a playoff game, I was a eighth grader. I was a junior high. They didn't win a playoff game in high school. My, my freshman year was Ricky Williams' first year, which was an awesome season. And then, of course, he goes on to break our hearts, and that team broke our hearts, and the next year's team broke our hearts, and then Ricky Williams broke our hearts in 2004. So not to get off on a tangent here on you guys, but, you know, a little bit upset about seeing people complain on Twitter. But with that said, let's get into the Twitter mailbag and talk about today's game a little bit. First question comes across from Daryl, at Daryl Leaked, clever name. Have you greeted Moore's games with gays? Cutler was a gambler, but wonder what would be more painful to watch all season. That's a great question, Daryl. And I have I have watched uh, Matt Moore's games on tape from last year, the final three games of the regular season, and then the game in the in the playoffs with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Matt Moore never got back to his game one prowess, if you will. That game against the Jets, where he had the beautiful deep ball to Kenny Steele's, was a great throw. But he also missed throws in that game too. If you'll recall, the Dolphins came out of the locker room up. I want to say they're up by ten coming out of the locker room. And the first possession, he had a wide open touch on Devonte Parker, underthrew it, ball was picked off, and the Jets. Gave it right back to the Dolphins because that's what they did that, that last year. But 
Yeah, Matt Moore. And then the Buffalo game, his stats were super inflated, but he played a really bad game in that one too. And I judge games off of how many bad throws you have, how many bad decisions you make compared to good ones, not the results because results are based upon the team play, right? So protection and receiver's ability has an impact on the results. So if I throw a two-yard crossing pattern and Devontae Parker catches it and bounces off a tackler and runs for 50 yards, I mean, I made a good throw, but it wasn't like I you know, earned the 55-yard touchdown pass that I just got. So Matt Moore in that game missed a lot of throws, got the big benefit of a lot of yards after the catch. And, I mean, he kept he does a good job of keeping the, t- the play alive and, and kind of recognizing those one-on-one protection issues and when the, when the blitz gets in there hot and he gets rid of the football quickly. But he also makes a lot of really bad decisions, and he's not reliable. And so with Matt Moore in the game, you really run the risk of losing him and having to go to another quarterback. And I think that, that was really the thinking behind Jay Cutler. Obviously, Adam Gaze wanted to have a good season this year too, but I think that was one of the primary reasons was making sure we have a quarterback that we can entrust to at least play most of the games, if not you know enough of them before you go to Matt Moore because Matt Moore is not the kind of guy that's going to give you 16 games. Question number two, and the reason I didn't really get into this, Daryl, is because I have a very similar question from the next one. It's Mike Farns at Fish Farns. He asked, when will we see a change at quarterback? Clearly, the Jay Cutler experiment is not working. And as I said, I was going to answer this with Daryl, but this question came up. I don't think you make the change yet, even though I want, I kind of want to as a fan. And I know this I know this league is really based on results. It's a results, results-based business, but you kind of have to look at it from other angles too. And the angle that I chose to look at it from was I talked about how Matt Moore can't sustain a 16 game season. I think if you go away from Jay Cutler and we saw this today when they ran the wildcat, he stood there with his hands in his pockets, basically in his little quarterback pocket and just sat there and watched the game from, from the field. I think if you get rid of Jay Cutler in terms of take him out of the lineup, I think you're going to lose him. And if he doesn't go full on Arian Foster and retire, I think that he is going to bring that quarterback room down. It's not going to be a fun place to work in. It's going to have an impact on the rest of the guys. And so you really can't turn back to Jay Cutler because he's giving, what, 5% effort right now? I mean, that's the total guess. I don't know the guy. I can't. I shouldn't be throwing him under the bus, but based on what I see, the effort level is not there. And if that, level's, if that effort level is there right now, what's it going to be when he goes to the bench and then try to put him back in? So I, I don't think you can switch because you're saying you're going to play Matt Moore for the next 13 games. And while that might be a good idea in theory, I don't think Matt Moore survives 13 games. I don't think Matt Moore plays well in 13 games. He might get you that pinch of a few good games, two or three good games here and there, you know, coming off the bench at first. But if you put him on the field for a long time, you give defenses a lot of tape on him. It's just not going to be a good result. I I think that when Tannehill went down as a, I mean, you guys know how I feel about Ryan Tannehill. I think he's a good player. I talked about it on Twitter today. And we'll get into that here in a second and kind of, kind of continue on to this question here because these are some good questions about the quarterback position. It's always fun to talk about. But um, I think that when Tannehill went down, the season went down as well. And I thought this was an 11-win team with Tannehill, 10 or 11-win team with Tannehill, and that might not be the case based on how the offense is playing as a whole right now. But the defense, if, if you told me that they were going to allow 17 points to the Chargers, 20 points to the Jets, and 20 points to the Saints, I would tell you emphatically with Ryan Tannehill in this offense, they would be a resounding 3-0, and they'd be, t- be talked about on every single sports media network there is right now because I think they'd be blowing teams out at that rate. Uh, but with Jay Cutler and, and Matt Moore, I think that 7-8-9 wins was kind of the 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 ceiling, if you will. I think Jay Cutler had a little bit more potential to raise that ceiling, possibly up to 10, but I just didn't really see it. I think that it, it was a very small chance of it happening with Matt Moore was even smaller chance. So 
I don't think you make the switches for the fact that you got to keep Jay Cutler going. You got to trust the process and you got to let them try to work this thing out because I think your best chance of success this year is letting Jay Cutler work it out. And if he does, good. If not, then make the switch and then just play for next year. But right now, stay with Jay Cutler. And, uh, I, you know, I mentioned, let's get into this right now. I mentioned the Ryan Tannehill thing. And this kind of flows into our next topic as well. Where does this team go from here? You know, I talked about what I see as a good quarterback compared to what is a bad quarterback. And it's a very fair question because a lot of times people see box scores or whatever, you know, whatever they use to judge quarterbacks. And it's really not for, from a guy that watches every single pass, but every single game, every single quarterback, that's not a good way to judge quarterbacks. It's, it's really not. And I, I know I'm not trying to sound elitist or, you know, make you guys sound like please or anything for not doing this, but that's what I do in my spare time. I watch quarterbacks on tape and, you you have to do that in order to have a full grasp of how these guys are playing. Some guys, sure, you know Tom Brady is great. You know Aaron Rodgers is great. You know that Brock Osweiler was terrible last year. That's fine. But to, to really get a full understanding on the landscape, landscape of the entire league and the quarterbacks in this league, you have to see it all and you have to break it all down and you have to know what you're watching. And that's it takes a lot of time. And I've put a lot of time and effort into this. And I mentioned the four keynotes for what good quarterbacking is number one is you have to be accurate because if you're not accurate i can't stay on schedule i can't call a game plan that sets me up for to get me into third and short to set me up for opportunities to move the sticks on thirds down because you're going to miss passes that are going to take us off schedule and it's going to ruin the entire game plan and i can't win with that number two is the ability to see the defense before the snap make your calls make your adjustments and anticipate the play happening before it does that's a very tricky one. It's probably the hardest thing to do for any quarterback, and that's why a lot of quarterbacks fail to have a lot of physical talent. And the first one, the accuracy thing, Ryan Tannehill is a very terrific, accurate passer. That's something you either have or you don't. You can't teach it. You don't get better at it. You can practice it, but you really don't get better at it. That's what a lot of coaches will tell you. Ryan Tannehill is very accurate. Jay Cutler is not because of inconsistencies in mechanics. The number two part, I think they both struggle with a little bit. I would say Cutler's a little bit better than Tannehill. Tannehill sometimes can be late on reads and he can be late to diagnose things. And if a quarterback can recognize things pre-snap, or excuse me, yeah, pre-snap, and then anticipate routes opening up and throw receivers before they're open, that's a fantastic skill to have. That and being accurate, we can win with that all day long. Number three is a bonus, the ability to extend plays and create once things outside of the framework of the offense break down. So if a free rusher comes in or a route's not there and you have to kind of scramble around and buy some time, think Aaron Rodgers, the best in the business, the best to ever do it, right? Russell Wilson, same same category there with Russell Wilson. Ryan Tannehill, very good at this. And I would say Jay Cutler, also good at this. Or No, I wouldn't say very good for Tannehill. They're both good at it. So so Tannehill is good at number one. He's oh, he's not great at number two. He's okay here and there. He, he can do it. He's just not consistent at it. And he's very good at number three, whereas Jay Cutler struggles on number one, struggles on number two, and on number three, he's pretty good. And the number four is the back-breaking mistakes. Do you make the big decisions, poor decisions that cost your team, really give your, your, your team no chance to win the game? And Jay Cutler is kind of the poster boy for that, whereas Ryan Tannehill... Early in his career, he had that bugaboo a little bit, but as he moved on, it really kind of started to decrease a little bit. So I think that Ryan Tannehill, from that standpoint, is a guy that can be in that 12 to 14th best quarterback in the league, but he is ascending, and I think he can go even higher than that and be better than that and play a lot of games where he is one of those top five guys in the league, and maybe the next week he'll come down to earth a little bit. Whereas opposed to Jay Cutler, he is in that 20 to 24 range, you know, bottom third of the league in terms of best quarterbacks, and he can play up to a high level on certain games, but he's a descending player going backwards. So there is a big gap there for me between those two guys. And where this team goes from here at the quarterback position, 
it's hard to say. We won't know yet until we get a lot more evidence in this. It's just three games, guys. I know it sounds like it feels like the earth is falling or the sky is falling, but it's three games. You know, the Bengals started off 0-2, didn't score a touchdown, and then they came back their last two games and were awesome on offense, scored 60 points in the last two games. So just trust the process. Let it happen. Let it play out. We'll see what happens next week, and we'll get more into that. Marcus Mariota may not play in that game. He injured his hamstring today. If he misses that game, the Dolphins get a win. They're back to 2-2, two and two, and they're right back in the mix of things with the poor AFC East and the poor AFC as it is right now as a whole. So don't panic, guys. Just enjoy the course of the season. Remember, last year we were 1-4, and four, and at this, time, at this time also we were 1-2 with a pretty disappointing win at the Cleveland Browns. So... Long season, sigh relief, the show is over, we'll come back tomorrow to talk about the stats from the game, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating, write us a nice little review, check out the other Locked On Sports podcast for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams, brought to you by mybookie.ag, follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL, and check out 3rdand10.com, be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Dolphins football. What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.